Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. This is Wallbuilders Live. If you're wondering what Wallbuilders means, that comes out of the scripture in Nehemiah. Arise and rebuild the walls that we may no longer be a reproach. Yeah, if you don't have those walls, you were destroyed as a nation. It, it was required for the strength of a nation. Same thing today. You got to have the right foundations. You got to have the right principles in place. And so David Barton started Wallbuilders several decades ago with that very purpose and that calling in mind to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the foundations to rebuild the principles, to put them back into the culture, put those principles back in place that made America the greatest modern nation in history. And and I tell you, it's uh, it's had an, a huge impact. Uh, the number of people that have ended up running for and serving in office or educating their family or voting or getting involved because of wall builders has been phenomenal. So we're very thankful that the Lord has given our ministry a chance to have that kind of impact. And we thank you for coming alongside and being a part of that. You can go to our website today at wallbuilderslive.com and even join the team in a greater way. You might want to grab some of our programs and share them with your friends and family. Be a force multiplier in that way. Spread the word. You might want to go to the Contribute button right there at Wild Builders Live and make that donation one time or monthly. It helps us to reach more people and have more of an impact. Just to be blunt, just to be really straightforward with you, this is a listener-supported program. This does not happen without you. We need listeners out there that are willing to send in those contributions to help us continue to do what we do and to help us reach more people, train more people to do the work we do with pastors and legislators and young leaders, all the different things we're doing to invest in the culture and to prepare a new generation to accept the torch of freedom and protect it on their watch. You get to be a part of all that by visiting our website today at wallbuilderslive.com. My name is Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator and America's Constitution coach, and I am here with David Barton. He's America's premier historian and the founder of Wall Builders. Tim Barton is with us. He's a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders, and all three of us are very grateful that you're listening today. All right, David and Tim, let's jump into it. You know, we talk about being the intersection of faith and the culture. Here we are at the end of the year, some of our last couple of programs for 2022. There's definitely a culture war going on out there, and uh, when we don't get engaged, we get negative results. We get engaged, uh, at least we get to see positive results where we engage, whether it's in an individual community or state or certainly nationally right now, the battle over who we're going to be as Americans going forward is huge. And so 2022 is a big, big year on some big issues. Supreme Court ruled on some big issues. Um, elections, obviously, uh, in, in, in key areas that um, are going to de- you know determine the direction of some of these key states. Had some big governor's races. So as we close out the year and we're talking about the culture war, what are some, some of the areas where you know we need to be engaging more and people need to be motivated to get involved if they don't see enough negative right now. I don't know what it would take. Well, one of the things you got to do is you got to be able to recognize where the enemy is, where they're coming from. And right now, I think we're more kind of like the enemy in the trenches. We're, we're seeing the guys that are coming at us over the hill. And we really need to be the drones in the air that are seeing where all the enemy is, where they're going to be coming from, what's the long-term consequences. Yeah, we're engaged in the battle in the trenches because that's what's right on top of us. But at the same time, you got to have a four-star general out there somewhere saying, yeah, but you know what? It's on the it's what's on the other side of the hill or it's what's coming from this other direction or these ships that are about to arrive bringing new trips. This is what we need to focus on. And, and I think we have so many things going right now that take our attention and, and cause us to battle, whether it's looking at what's going on with school boards or what's going on with elections or what's going on with anything else. And I think there's something bigger that I'm seeing at the end of the year. So let me kind of put an overview on what I think is going on. And let's go back to all the stuff we saw two and a half, three years ago with BLM and Antifa and all that. We talked about Marxism. 
And I'm still not finding that many people have a good grasp of Marxism, but if I can reduce it to something really simple, it really is about creating groups and then having conflict between groups. And they really don't care what the groups are. We just need groups that will fight each other because we, we believe that fighting is what makes the society stronger. Uh, having more fights, having more divisions, having more people being violent with each other, that's what makes a greater culture. And so we're looking to do that. Well, and I think also it depends on who is defining Marxism, because I think there are some people promoting Marxism, not because I think it makes America stronger, but because I think they can use it to manipulate yeah. and gain power for themselves or to tear down America. That's right. Because ultimately, there's some people right now on the political left who recognize what Marxism does, and they are trying to fragment America into groups. But it's not because it's going to make America better per se as much as it is. They want to use the groups to help maintain their power, to elevate them to positions of power, etc. But I think maybe under a purist view, going back to Karl Marx, where Marx thought that for the betterment of human society— Right. There's some some things along the way and the conflict it makes you better, et cetera. And, and even then, obviously, we know this is a way oversimplification of the reality of Marx's views uh, or of the way Marx has been interpreted over the years. However, the fragmenting of groups, turning the groups against each other, absolutely within the realm of Marxism. And so when you start seeing laws that target groups or that benefit certain groups, that becomes a problem. If, if all are created equal, as we're told in the Declaration, if the Constitution guarantees inalienable rights, regardless of the group that you're in, you don't have to be in minority or majority, you don't have to be a certain race, you don't have to be a certain age, anything that starts fragmenting into groups is going to reduce liberty. It's going to reduce freedom. It's going to undermine the strength of the country. It's going to undermine the relevancy of our documents. So I'm intrigued this year by looking at the fact that as I look back over stories this year, there was this huge, huge emphasis on all the Asian hate crimes that are going on. And with that, Jewish hate crimes. I mean, they, they soared this year. They, they, they soared. And so we put a lot of emphasis and a lot of law enforcement, a lot of, a lot of legislation effort into stopping hate crimes against Asians and, and stopping hate crimes against Jews. And that's good. But why does it matter what group you're in? What about hate crimes against left-handed, red-haired women? Why, why pick out groups? And so anytime we start looking at groups and breaking into groups and keeping stats on groups and creating solutions for groups, that's overall weakening the nation. Um, one of the things we saw implemented this year under, under Biden that we have not seen, at least I don't recall having seen it in decades, it goes back to 1994 when Bill Clinton signed a, a law that was called the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, the FACE Act. So freedom access to clinic entrances, you cannot block clinic entrances. If you're pro-life, you can't block the entrances. Well, that's why people have stayed on the sidewalks. They don't block the doors or they stay outside the, the private property of, of the, the thing, but maybe they'll, they'll talk to people going in or pray to people going in. And so we saw the Justice Department this year arrest people because they were protesting outside clinics. Now, that's not necessarily blocking the access, but they said, well, you intimidate people from coming in. Well, you've got a right to be on the sidewalk. You know, if I'm a juggler, if I'm a street performer, I can be on that sidewalk. But you're saying because I oppose abortion, I can't be on that sidewalk. And so they have gone after uh, people who are praying outside abortion clinics and arrested them, even though they admit that there was nothing violent in what they did. It's just the law. Well, how about the 170 pro-life centers that have been firebombed in the last two years that they have done absolutely nothing. Well, that's not the group we're trying to protect. The group we're trying to protect is the pro-abortion people. I see. So you want to create controversy between pro-abortion and, and pro-life people. And so you're going to arrest 
pro-life people, but you're not going to arrest people who blow up clinics. This is the group kind of stuff that's happening, and we're seeing it in schools with, with the gender stuff. We're seeing it everywhere, and I don't think we're recognizing enough as is out there. We're fighting the battles so as they come to us. At some point, we got to back up and say, no, 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 all people. All people have equal rights under the law. All people are created equally. Focusing on one group and trying to create a solution for one group drives us further into Marxism. Well, I think this is too, right? Sometimes when we talk about the, the fruit of a tree, when you look at the fruit of the tree and you go, man, this fruit's really bad. Well, the solution isn't to go pluck all the fruit off the tree, right? Maybe the solution is let's take an ax to the root. Let's chop this down. And as we're looking at so much bad fruit in America, clearly, if if you are a farmer, if you're a gardener, and you're planting seeds and you're growing the wrong crop, well, there's two things you should do. Number one, stop planting the bad seeds. And number two, start planting the good seeds, right? Plant the seeds of the crops you want to grow. And what we are seeing now is, first of all, we've been planting a lot of the wrong seeds for way too long. And and maybe, right, maybe we could argue, but we haven't been planting those negative seeds. Okay, that's true. If, if you garden, if you farm, you don't have to plant weeds. They will pop up, right? But if you're not intentional about removing those weeds, weeds can come and they can take over your entire garden if you don't go through and weed out periodically. But the reality is you have to make sure that you are intentionally opposing the negative and you are intentionally planting the positive, the seeds of the things you want to grow. And what we are seeing right now in our nation, it, it's the outgrowth of the secularization of America. When you remove the reality that there is a God, there is a creator, that we were made in his image, as you mentioned the declaration, highlights the fact that we were all created equal. Well, where did the founding fathers come up with that truth? This this was not an original thing for them. They did not originate this reality. This is something that is clearly identified in the Bible. You can go to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that God made him them in his image, male and female, he created them this is where we get the idea we're all created equal because we were all made in the image of God. We all bear the likeness of God in our flesh because we were made in his image. This is where we are different. But if you reject there's a God, then all of a sudden you've rejected this innate reality that we were all made in his image and therefore we are equal because if there is no God, then maybe it is evolution. And if there's evolution, then there can be an evolution of species, which Charles Darwin in his book, Origin of Species, he argued in his book, Origin of Species, as in the actual title, it was the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. Darwin believed in favored races, but if there's no God, it makes sense. If there is no God and we were not all made in his image and there's not equality and therefore there could be favored races, there, there could be what, what Hitler believed this superior race. And because again, if there is no God, this is a logical outcome of the removal of that. And, and we can go through all of the craziness we are seeing in culture, but the reason that we are seeing this craziness is because of, of an increasing secularization. And this is where I can go back to even this, this gardening analogy. Jesus told a parable about a man with a garden and there were guys who didn't like this guy. And one night they came by and they sowed all of these weeds. They sowed all these tares in the garden and they woke up the next morning and people were like, what are we going to do? And he said, well, we're going to have to wait and at harvest and at harvest we'll burn down the bad and we'll keep the good. The reality is in America, there have been people that came through at night and they intentionally planted weeds trying to tear down the system. And so we now have kids going to school where they are learning America is evil. Christianity is evil because anything that will not accept people for who they are is bad. So Christianity has to be bad, which the whole premise of Christianity is that none of us are good enough. 
that that's why Jesus came because we're all sinners who need a savior that this idea well you just need to be more of who you are no you should be less of who you are you should crucify your flesh and its sinful desires you should become a new creation in Christ Jesus because in Christ old things pass away all things become new this is what the bible teaches but when kids are learning this notion that if if you say no to gratifying any desire of the flesh that that people that try to suppress that they're bad we are literally raising kids to hate the foundation of America, to hate traditional values, to hate Christianity. Well, these are some of the weeds that have been planted along the way. If we don't pay attention to recognize we got to stop planting those seeds, then we won't even have the chance to plant good seeds to have a different outcome. So I think part of the challenge is even recognizing the intentionality. And guys, I, I, I saw an article not too long ago. The Family Research Council um, was highlighting th- there have been some major issues with even in America, churches being targeted and attacked. I, I, I saw an article just last week that there is a nonprofit here in Texas that is raising money to tear down Christian churches in India. There is a move right now in America and around the world to attack Christianity, to attack biblical values and principles, and to remove those things. And actually, FRC had a pretty interesting article about this. Yeah, so FRC tracks this, and and it, which is good because I actually would have would have guessed that attacks on on religious liberty had decreased, and and that we were getting better in that area because there's so little reporting on these things, and there's so little done by the FBI when it's done to a religious institution. So if you just were kind of you know gauging it based on what uh, you had heard about or seen, you would think there was less of this. But thankfully, Family Research Council uh, tracks this, and and apparently it has gone way up. And so we're going to interview someone from FRC that's going to talk about the very article that you're talking about, Tim. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ariella Del Turco is with us from Family Research Council. Stay with us. You're listening to Wall Builders. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Welcome back to Wild Builders Live. Thanks for staying with us, and special thanks to Family Research Council and all the great work they're doing out there. And one of the many issues that they're fighting for is religious liberty, and we have the Assistant Director of their Center for Religious Liberty with us, Ariella Del Turco. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, hey, so I, I, I guess, you know, as as much as we fight for religious liberty, as, as much as we bring attention to the abuses out there, um, you know, we would hope it's getting better. But uh, it looks like we're seeing even more uh, rising trends of religious hostility. And I'm, I'm going to guess that this whole uh, Destruction of Marriage Act in Washington, D.C. is not going to help with that. Probably going to make it worse. But anyway, you guys do a report on this regularly. What are your thoughts on where we're headed on this issue? Yeah, so in this most recent report, 
we were really trying to put numbers to the perception that we had that we were just hearing more and more about vandalism and other what we're terming acts of hostility against churches. So we wanted to see if that was true. So we looked at the past five years from January 2018 to September of this year, uh, and I recorded uh, attacks against churches over those years, and we found out that the number this year is nearly double to what it was in 2018. So we really found that there is, there does seem to be um, increasing hostilities, particularly to churches. And, and give us some examples. Uh, you know, I, I know we saw, I mean, we literally saw churches burned. We saw all kinds of, of crazy things, graffiti and all kinds of things. But what, what are the things that y'all are measuring in this report? Yeah, so we looked at uh, vandalisms. We also looked at arson and arson attempts. We also looked at gun-related incidences or shootings, uh, bomb threats, including false bomb threats that are just uh, disruptive to church services and mm. vaguely threatening, but also um, things like interruption of worship services. Mostly we saw that in the wake of the Dobbs Supreme Court decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. We saw a lot of pro-abortion protesters interrupting church services, also leaving uh, very grotesque and uh, threatening messages on churches. Uh, some of them said, uh, if abortions aren't safe, then neither are you, uh, things like that. So, yeah. Mm. And that is it. Re- is this like a regional thing? I mean, are y'all seeing it all over the country? Is it, um, you know, in the in the more pro-life states, do we see more of it? Or w- what was your assessment? Sadly, we see attacks across the country. And really, it corresponds with population. If there's more population, there's just going to be more church attacks, um, which is a little disturbing that there aren't uh, identifiable regional trends. What I chalk this up to more is just a growing hostility towards Christianity and Christian beliefs uh, among the public. Uh, I think especially when uh, Christian beliefs take an unpopular stand on social issues, particularly on marriage or on abortion, uh, then we see people lash out at churches. They, they see the church as uh, really the champion of those issues. Uh, on the opposite side of them, of course, we see them as our, as our friends and our, and our champions, but they see that as the enemy. That's why they're attacking. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Uh, Americans just seem to feel increasingly comfortable lashing out at church buildings, whereas several decades ago we would have expected a greater respect of church buildings, uh, in religious institutions, even for people that don't believe in those religions, I, I'm just watching this totally erode this respect for for churches and for religious belief. And I think that's because our culture is growing increasingly secular. Uh, they just don't understand the importance of religion anymore, and so they're not going to understand the importance of religious freedom either. Yeah, yeah. What would what would you know to our listeners? What would you say is is the best way to um, you know combat this? I mean, I mean, obviously we need to be praying for the country and and electing good representatives that understand uh, religious liberty and and praying that the courts will uphold this. Um, you know, what do you give people for action steps when they see this trend going so far the wrong direction? Well, we are encouraging people just to loudly and clearly be condemning these attacks wherever they occur. And you can take part of, if you hear a church that's been vandalized or been attacked or had an arson attack, go volunteer to help out, even if it's not your church, help clean up, help rebuild. Uh, We just really want to send the message to people that violence against churches does not belong in America. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Keep up the great work. 
and uh, and best way to follow uh, FRC and and make sure they get on the email list and stay stay uh, you know informed about these things because you guys often give action steps and send out things. So what's the best way for people to make sure they're on the email list and and plugged into FRC? Yeah, people can go to our website frc.org and you'll see our email subscriptions and also find this report and plenty of other resources. Excellent. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with David and Tim Barton. Hi, friends. This is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even Hebrews of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman. Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read, and it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. We're back on Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us. Back with David and Tim. Um, and guys, double. I mean, so, so massive increases on this. Again, not being reported by major media, but it's happening. And, uh, oh, and it's happening. Rick, we're, we're not the right group. We're not the preferred group. It doesn't matter if it happens to the wrong group. You got to be yeah. in the right group for people to pay attention. And who cares if there's all these attacks on churches? Because that's not a preferred group right now, Man, a.k.a. A Marxism, which is what we're getting in the culture. Well, and this is something, yep. too, that I thought was interesting. She said that it was not regional specific. It is literally a growing hostility toward Christianity and Christian beliefs. And and this is where I would go back to there there are people being very intentional about this. And in fact, I just just last week I was at a Christmas party at somebody's house and a friend's house and and they had lots of people there and there was a lady who came over said Tim, will you please talk the 11-year-old girl. She says, "Please let I want you to talk to her." She has been in her public school and she's learning that, right, the pilgrims were evil and like John Smith was evil and basically all white colonists, they were evil and and all the evil they did and how bad they were. And will you please talk to her? Because she's a really good girl, but she's just really misled on this. And my first thought was, why is she in a public school if she's learning this and you're concerned she's learning this? We're not paying attention to the intentionality of the movement right now in government run schools where they are literally openly talking about this. But as parents, we've just assumed that, hey, it's probably not that bad. It's probably fine, right? It wasn't that bad when I was there. This is still, it's just what we do. We have to retrain and recondition ourselves that if we are going to save these souls of our kids, where Jesus talked about, right, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We have to stop thinking that our kids' future is hinged on them going to a government-run a public school. And I understand there's people with different dynamics and scenarios. This is very, very challenging. I just thought, like, this is kind of ironic because the lady that came up to ask me to talk to this 11-year-old, I thought, like, you're asking me to solve a problem that you should know is a problem and you have not removed her from the situation, but you want me to solve the problem. That this, There's a level of irony in this. Well, the fact that she knows it's a problem, she knows it's a school, but she's leaving the kid at school. What other problems are being sowed into your kid that you don't know about? 
You happen to know about this one because somehow it came up with the Pilgrims. But what else? I think it was a couple weeks ago we were talking to Mike Ferris. And, of course, Mike Ferris has run for years Alliance Defending Freedom, which is probably the largest single law firm in the United States with all of his affiliate attorneys. And they've done, I don't know how many cases, the U.S. Supreme Court. And he said, you know, there's 16,000 school districts in America. He said, I bet only 200 of them are not teaching this. And so for us to assume that we're sending our kids in because we don't hear bad things, it doesn't mean they're getting taught bad things. And, and I go back to something that's in Second Samuel 23. When David was choosing his mighty men, one of the guys he chose was a guy named Shammah. And Shammah was chosen because David said, you get out there and defend that bean patch. Oh, that's not anything significant. But you know what? He fought. He didn't back off. He kept everybody out of that bean patch. And that's why he was a mighty man. And at some point, parents have got to defend their bean patches. Where their kids are, we got to go in there and protect our kids. And by the way, if you know that it's wrong what's being taught, why don't you know enough to teach what's right? You know what's wrong. Start teaching what you're the parent in the home. Start acting like it. Well, and this is where I would go back again to intentionality. If we have to stop planning the bad and start planning the good, and sometimes we need to relocate in order to do that along the way. Uh, we, we cannot be surprised if, if we're sending our kids to government-run schools that they come out hating America and hating Christianity. We, we are literally seeing those seeds planted in public schools. And it doesn't mean that there's not good public school teachers out there. I know several really, really good public school teachers. But again, we're talking about a system as a whole, and it's a very broken system. And just because you have a really good teacher or several really good teachers doesn't negate the fact there are some probably really bad pro-Marxist teachers in there promoting the same level of propaganda on the other side and this is what kids are getting in culture. And so this is, I mean, Rick, you started off the program talking about this cultural battle we're in. I would also point out, right, with it being the end of the year, this is a time that if you want to do some end of the year giving, there are a lot of really good organizations out there, whether it be a Wall Builders, a Patriot Academy, there's a whole list of people, even Wall Builders we support, Patriot Academy that, that, that you guys support. Um, Rick, I, I, I know there's good organizations. And as we recognize more and more the cultural battle we are in, we want to make sure that we engage in this, obviously with prayer, with local action, but then supporting the groups that are out there making a difference. So for anybody, if, if you want to contribute to this cultural fight along the way, I encourage you go to wallbuilders.com, go to patriotacademy.com, and you can make a contribution to help make a difference in this cultural battle. Man, Tim, I, I just have to you know second everything you're saying because it is lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. And uh, you know, I remember Rick Santorum saying uh, a few weeks back at an event I was at, you know, hey everybody, you got to do more. What we're doing's not enough, and nobody's really sacrificing yet. And at first, I was offended when I think about all we do and you know how much less we make doing nonprofit things instead of being in the in the regular you know for profit world. But the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, he's right. We're not having to do much, and we can all do a lot more. And one of the ways we can do that is that end-of-year giving. So really reiterate exactly what you said. Totally agree with that. Thanks for listening today, folks. You've been listening to Wall Building. We stand undivided.